Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we have a mock draft Monday. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Jericho, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Jarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, it's a Mock Draft Monday. Woo-hoo. Now that does not mean that we are doing Mock Drafts. No, 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 no. We are reacting to Mock Drafts that we have seen. So we, we got a couple that we're going to be talking about. And uh, the first is from our buddy, JC Cornell. You all know him over at the draft network. He posted one on Twitter where he said, uh, with the combine wrapping up, I decided to fire up the draft network mock draft Monday. And he says the machine mock draft machine. My apologies. Mock draft machine. I see MDM and I just think mock draft (laughs) Monday. Is that so wrong? It's mock draft machine though. We're good. Okay. We'll do it live. Let's go. We'll do it live. You know, my, my after this weekend, my my brain is fried, and what little is left um, is going to get just completely decimated this coming weekend, and then I'll be able to take a bit of a reprieve. But that's neither here nor there. Um, JC talks about how you know this particular player that he takes in the first round could be a new anchor for whoever will be taking snaps as the starting quarterback. And then he takes a shot in the third round on somebody who's been linked to the Bucks quite a bit. I don't think he's going to make it to the third round, but in the mock draft, he's there. So we're not going to go through all the picks, but the top three rounds that JC has mocked out is Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle out of Georgia. He's got your boy, J.K. Dobbins, running back out of Ohio State in round two. Then around three, quarterback Jacob Eason, uh, again, a guy that has been linked to the Bucks quite a bit, but he grabs Andrew Thomas there at 14 to be the anchor along the offensive line. This could mean that for the time being, he's going to play right tackle while Donovan's over at left. Maybe after the 2020 season, when Donovan Smith's guaranteed money is up, they move Andrew over to the left tackle, maybe look to replace the right tackle again if they decide to move on from Donovan. David, you brought up on one of our previous episodes that you could see the Buccaneers moving Donovan to the right side and drafting a franchise left tackle. But what what also stuck out to me was Jacob Eason in the third round. While I think the Buccaneers will take a shot on Eason, there's been just kind of too much connection there uh, you know where there's smoke there's fire and let's be honest the Buccaneers aren't exactly a team of secrecy when it comes to who they're going to draft uh every year under Jason Light we've basically known who the Bucks were going to take in the first round there's been no surprises yeah I I think Eason is going to be the guy that the Bucks are going to rely on for the coming years now if they end up Signing Jameis Winston to, you know, three, four year deal, then yeah, I say Eason's likelihood is is out the door. But according to Pewter Report, 
they're going to let Winston test the market because they don't believe he really has one, which could be very interesting to see played out that, you know, we, we heard the rumors that Winston's agents were asking for the $30 million a year. And then Scott Reynolds was hearing in Indianapolis that his market may not even be $20 million a year, which honestly would surprise me. I figure somebody would pay that much for, for Winston, despite all the mistakes, but alas, that's where we are. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like, I like the Buccaneers taking a quarterback in the third round, really, no matter what they do, if they bring back Jameis, then I like them taking a quarterback in the third round. If they bring in a Tom Brady or a Phillip Rivers, uh, you know, an older type vet that I still like bringing in a guy in the third round or something, you know, late day two that can uh, develop for a year or two behind that veteran, learn some of the tricks of the trade from them and, and all that. I, I feel like veteran quarterbacks are a little bit more willing and, and a little bit more enthusiastic as mentors when they know they're towards the end of their career versus, you know, I'm in my late thirties hoping to play into my mid forties and you're bringing this young kid and you want me to teach him so that he can take over for me. Like I, I don't blame, you know, we hear stories from time to time about guys who don't want to mentor their backups uh, maybe as, as much as, you know, a fan would like them to, but I don't, I don't necessarily blame them at all. It's, it, you know, you're fighting for your livelihood there. And, uh, you know, there, there's a difference between being a good teammate and a difference between cutting off your own nose. And so I wouldn't blame it all, but a guy like Tom Brady or Philip Rivers, they're in the twilight of their career. Like they've only got a handful of years left. There's no, you know, there's, there's no, they're not going to be playing in the, into the 2030s. Uh, that's, that's not in their future. So, you know, I feel like they're probably more, more willing to, uh, to give some of that advice and some of that guidance to a young guy like a Jacob Eason in this stage in their career. Uh, obviously I love the JK Dobbins pick. I like the Buccaneers going to the running back in the second round either way. Whether it be Do- whether it be Dobbins, whether it be uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't really care. It's it's just uh, I didn't mean to rhyme there. Um, I just I just think that Rojo needs a running mate. He's I, don't, I like Ronald Jones and what he brings to the field, but I don't think he's ready to do it all by himself. And honestly, I don't think this game, the NFL, is really built for teams that that rely on one running back. I think we've pretty much seen the committee system take over, and for good reason. And it also helps. I mean, for running backs themselves, it it helps their own shelf life. You know. Uh, uh, a career that might be five years long if you're doing it by yourself turns into eight to 10 years. If you have a running mate, um, as long as you don't get, you know, I guess too greedy, if you want to call it greed, Andrew Thomas, I'm a big fan of, like you said, James, I've kind of, you know, speculated on my own uh, whether or not the Buccaneers would ask Donovan Smith to move over to the right. I think if you draft Andrew Thomas at pick 14, then your, your, your intention is for him to be your starting left tackle. Now, the beauty about the offensive line is there's two tackle spots. So does Andrew Thomas have to be your starting left tackle year one? No, he absolutely does not. Um, if so, if they want to keep Donovan on the left for continuity purposes, move Andrew Thomas over to the right in his rookie year or, you know, first two years, see if Donovan Smith comes to the point where they can put two bookends. But I think eventually, I mean, Andrew Thomas is going to want to play the left. The left tackle still to this day, you know, despite everything we talk about, about, you know, defense is really moving their best guy around more than ever. Uh, the left tackle is still the guy that's going to get the most money unless you're on a team with a left-handed quarterback. Um, so I think Andrew Thomas, it kind of reminds me of OJ, OJ Howard. Like when the Buccaneers drafted OJ, there were a lot of people talking about how it was, you know, a convenience pick, a luxury pick. And why would they take a tight end in the first round if they already have a starting tight end in Cam Brate? And my answer at the time, James, remember was because OJ Howard is going to be your starting tight end. That's why you draft a tight end in the first round because he's going to be a starter. And lo and behold, he was he became your starter. So I think eventually Andrew Thomas becomes your starting left tackle if you draft him there. Um, I think if any left tackle, whether it be Andrew Thomas or, or anybody else, if you draft him there, 
you're gonna he's gonna be your starting left tackle eventually. Uh, the rest of JC's draft, I mean, there there's really like when I see mock drafts for a full you know six seven rounds, I don't really have any negatives um, outside of like position groups, I guess. I uh, don't know much about Jeremy Chen, Shaquille Quarterman. I think we've all heard of Tyler Clark is another guy. I don't have a whole lot of information on, but at the end of the day, you're drafting a safety, a linebacker, an interior defensive lineman. You're looking for potential and, you know, scheme fit, stuff like that. You know, did they play in a scheme in college that are similar to the ones that we played or that they're playing in Tampa, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and they all kind of fit that bill. They're all guys that if they contribute in special teams and can keep and can stay off the practice squad in their first year, then they're a home run. If they got to hit the, the practice squad for a couple of years, uh, until they can get up to the league, that's acceptable. So never really going to find me disagreeing with a you know f- uh, fourth round or later draft pick necessarily, unless it's just a position group from like, I don't know, like if JC were to take a second quarterback in the fourth round after taking Jacob Beeson in the third round, then I'd have a question about it. Well, let's move on to a mock draft that isn't so level-headed, I guess is the best way to go about it. Uh, Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports released a mock draft on February 28th. He has the typical, you know, Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati, number one, Chase Young, Washington, number two. First surprise, Isaiah Simmons to Detroit at number three. He's got Jeff Okuda. He's got Miami taking Justin Herbert. Andrew Thomas, who we just talked about, he has them going to the Chargers. And you kind of keep going and you get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who yeah oh and Tua went to the Raiders at number 12 so the Buccaneers are on the clock Jordan Love is available who else uh Tristan Wirfs is available Xavier McKinney Josh Jones AJ Epinesa CD Lamb even CD Lamb sitting there and he has the Buccaneers take CJ Henderson defensive back from Florida and he says quote We will do a few more mock drafts before the draft, but I can promise you this. Somebody's going to have to move heaven and earth to get me off a secondary player to the Bucs. So we're not going to ignore, as it stands right now, the glaring hole at right tackle, the question mark at quarterback, the need a defensive tackle, need a running back, the potential need for a third wide receiver if Prashad Perryman finds his way out of town. No, 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 no. Jason McIntyre, in his infinite wisdom, has the Buccaneers taking a position at 14th overall that the Buccaneers spent three draft picks on last year. Part of a unit that improved dramatically in the second half of the season to the point that you had Three rookies getting high grades from Pro Football Focus for those that are interested in things like that. You had Jamel Dean with more pass breakups than anybody else in the NFL down the stretch. That's that's what we decided to do at number 14, you know, from Mr. McIntyre. We're gonna ignore the real problems and draft a corner. And we have to move heaven and earth in order to get him not to do that. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. <laughs> so this is the ultimate. So remember that voicemail we got last week from Chef talking about uh, positional value. Uh-huh. This is the ultimate positional value pick. Like basically, 
uh, what this author is saying is he thinks that the secondary uh, quote unquote, which is, which by itself to me is confusing just because the secondary is built up of many, many different things. So saying that, you know, uh, or alluding rather to the fact that, you know, uh, basically he's saying that to get me to, to think the buck shouldn't take a secondary player here, uh, is going to take a lot. I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I think their biggest weakness is at the free safety position. And again, we've talked about this. I don't think it's so much a weakness of talent. I think it's more weakness of figuring out who the guy is. I mean, Andrew Adams still not under contract for 2020 may never come under contract for 2020. You know, I mean, he did leave, uh, after the 2018 season, for one reason or another, I don't know, you know, exactly what went down behind that, but ended up finding his way back to Tampa anyway. And then again, you know, like he did in, in the previous season, had his best days with the Buccaneers. But, you know, if he's gone, Mike Edwards is there who kind of split time with him as that starting free safety for the most part. And CJ Henderson, you know, he's got him listed as a defensive back. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's got some size, he's got some stuff to him, you know, um, not a guy I'm completely, totally versed in, but. My biggest thing is 11 passes defended, one sack, 33 total tackles. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know what's funniest to me about this pick, James? So he's from Florida. The last time the Buccaneers drafted a defensive back out of Florida in the first round was... Obviously, that was Vernon Hargraves. It was Vernon Hargraves, who wore which number at Florida? Do you remember? Did he wear one? Was he, he one wore of number guys? one. Oh, Do you know what number C.J. Henderson wears? I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's number one. It's number one. So not only are we dipping back into the Florida pool for cornerbacks, uh, we're, we're going to go find one who wears the exact same number as the exact same guy that this franchise last drafted in the first round uh, for the, from this, from this school in this position group. Uh, and, and it worked. Out. And, and listen, that doesn't mean that CJ Henderson wouldn't work out. But again, we, we kind of come to this situation where, if you draft C.J. Henderson in the first round, he's a starter. Uh, period. No matter what, he is a starter. So who are you? Who are you benching if if that's the case? Um, and and it kind of goes back to, you know, I do a lot of or uh, we've been doing our uh, our free agent profiles, right? And just the way it's worked out, my first three have all been defensive backs. Two of them have been cornerbacks. One of them has been a safety, and they've all been guys where they're gonna the money that they're gonna demand on the open market. If you pay them, they're going to be a starter. They're going to be a starting defensive back in your defense. And outside of the free safety spot, I can't find a spot where you have a clear need for a starter. But we also said on the show, that starter may already be on the roster. So if you go out and you draft C.J. Henderson, he has to start. So there's no Mike Edwards starting or you're pushing Jamel Dean back into the bench. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know, like, does Jamel Dean do enough to where Carlton Davis goes, you know, into that third slot? I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting seemed to really kind of find his groove in the slot there early on or later in the season. Carlton Davis is going to move to the slot. Jamel Dean's going to move the slot. Like, that's where, and, and I'm noticing it in the comments too. Like, the last one I wrote up was Logan Ryan. And I wrote up something about trading for Darius Slay. And, and basically, what Buccaneers fans are voicing is we don't want to see Darius Slay come in because if Darius Slay comes in, then it means you have to push. Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, and Carlton Davis down the depth chart a notch. And they don't want to see that. They want to see those three guys come in as your guy. Same thing with Logan Ryan. If you sign Logan Ryan for the kind of money he's going to demand, he's going to push those other guys down the depth chart simply because they have to. So, again, if you draft a defensive back in C.J. Henderson, I don't know. Maybe he's versatile enough. 
Uh, I'm not looking at any cornerbacks, any defensive backs in the first round outside of a surefire safety. So CJ Henderson, maybe is versatile enough to play safety. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you draft this guy in the first round, you're pushing your cornerbacks down the depth chart. Uh, at a minimum, you're pushing Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting down the depth chart. And I don't see the Buccaneers doing that. That's there's, there's too much risk in in the chemistry of the room, like bring in a Logan Ryan. He's a vet. He's been around for a while. He's done it the quote unquote Patriot way. You know, this is a guy that can assimilate into the locker room. He's not going to come in and throw a bunch of furniture around. He's going to come in and be part of the system. You know that. Darius Slay, you know what you're getting in Darius Slay. He's a guy that's going to want to come in. He's going to want to be the lion, not to you know try to play off a, a punt off the team he's on, but he wants to be that boisterous, big play Slay, lion personality in that locker room. So you know what you're getting there. So if you feel like you need that kind of a personality, you go out and you get him. CJ Henderson, you have no idea who this kid is. Like I understand you interview him. I understand you talk to him. Let's all be real here. Who, who, who has ever been 100% authentic to who they are on a day-to-day basis in the job interview? Nobody. So you have no idea who this kid is going to be once he actually makes it to the league, once he gets some real money in his pocket, so on and so forth. It's just, it's too much, man. Well, David, let's return to the land of sanity. And let's take a look at a mock draft from Josh Edwards over at CBSSports.com. Now, I, I say the land of sanity, but he goes all in on quarterbacks in the first round. He's got four quarterbacks going in the first six picks. Joe Burrow, number one. Tua, number two, allowing the Detroit Lions to draft Chase Young. So Lions fans are ecstatic. The Giants take your boy Jeff Akuda. Miami takes Justin Herbert. San, er, San Diego. You know what I mean. The San Diego Chargers take Jordan Love. Bucks fans cry because Isaiah Simmons goes to the Panthers. Then you got CeeDee Lamb, Derek Brown, Makai Becton, Jedrick Wills, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins. And then we get to the Buccaneers who take Andrew Thomas. So he goes on to say, quote, Tampa Bay will be thanking its lucky stars that one of the draft's best linemen is still on the board. They would have been pigeonholed into addressing their front seven otherwise. Thomas has been a bit of a victim of over-evaluation lately. So, David, let's talk about that for a second. Do you think that Thomas is beginning to slide a little bit because people are getting to the point that they're nitpicking and they're just... That he's sliding for no apparent reason. I mean, what are what are the chances that Thomas actually does drop out of the top ten and into the Buccaneers' lap? I mean, at, at this point in early March, like we we've we've covered we've covered the draft, we've covered the draft process, you know, long enough. And a lot of our listeners are, are people who pay attention every single year, every day of the year. They know that there's something going on in the football world, and they're paying attention to it, so they know the mock drafts during the season are never going to be right. Uh, we talked about this like back in October, back in November. There are guys we hadn't even heard of back then who are in first round mock drafts now. And even you know in January, there are guys who are going to climb up the board after the Senior Bowl, and then there's going to be guys who climb up the board after the Combine. We've got the third part of uh, of the uh, Charles Davis calls it the the NFL Draft Triple Crown. That's what he calls it. So he's got you got Senior Bowl is the, is the first race in the Triple Crown. The Scouting Combine is the second, and then Pro Days are your third. So we've still got the third race to come, which means that nothing is decided. Um, not to get too heavy into horse racing because I'm really not that smart about it anyway. But everybody knows that the first two races are, are fun and they're great. But it's not what you do in the first two. It's what you do over the course of the, of the entirety of, of all three opportunities. And that's where some of these guys are going to really make their money. Some of these guys are going to have private interviews. 
um, honestly, a little bit of the 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 fatigue uh, starts to wear in, and I think that's actually a little bit more important. Like when you get when you put a player in Indianapolis, we saw those guys, James. Like they're tired, man. They're exhausted. They don't want to talk to anybody, but they're talking to everybody. By the time they get to their pro days, especially some of these top guys, they've been on radio shows. Uh, they have guys like us hounding, hounding them for, for interviews on podcasts. They're talking to SI.com guys, NFL.com guys. They're on cameras, so on and so forth. When you get to their pro day, honestly, um, there's there's a little bit of a lull, I think. And if you if you have a scout there, right? I mean, you know, general managers go to some, head coaches will go to some. But if you have like a general, if you have like a scout, like an area scout, uh, you know, at the Georgia Pro Day, watching Andrew Thomas, and then you kind of have like an informal conversation off on the side, stuff like that. That's where I think you kind of get the realist version of this kid. And if if this kid comes across, he's still hungry. He's enjoying the moment. He's enjoying the process. You know, he admits it's tiring, but I know that you know someday I'm going to look back on this and be like, wow, I went, I did that, I went through that. So I'm enjoying it as much as I can because uh, it only happens once, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's when you find out who the real kid is. Now, if you get a kid who comes out, and, and I've seen this for, for myself, I've seen guys do pro days and then completely just walk away, like completely just walk off the field and avoid talking to anybody. That is the kid who is sick of the process. And I'm not saying it knocks him out of day one for him. I'm not saying it knocks him off the board for you. I'm just saying this is a kid who in Indianapolis was telling you how blessed he is to play football every day, how he eats, breathes, sleeps football, just football, 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 any chance I get to talk football, watch football, play football, practice football, think football, I want to do it. But then as soon as the pro day is over, he disappears without saying a word to anybody. All right, that gives you just a little bit more of an insight into the real human being. And I'm not even suggesting these guys should be doing that because it, it always takes me back to the the Chris Cooley video of him you know, on vacation with his Redskins helmet on in his playbook because fans love to tell people or tell players when they're at a concert, like, hey, Instead of at a concert, how about you study study defenses so you don't throw a pick six next weekend type of thing. But I think that the third race is a little bit more important because that's, like I said, it's where all the fatigue sets in. Um, Now, looping all that back around to Andrew Thomas, my point is that everybody is so far up and down the board right now, except for really your your top five guys, that if you told me Andrew Thomas is going to go in the top ten, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. If you told me he's going to go in the bottom ten of the first round, I'd say, yeah, okay, I can see that. The only thing I don't believe right now is Andrew Thomas falling to day two. Uh, unless something comes out, like an Instagram video or something, he's going to go in day one. It's just a matter of when. So, yeah, I, Andrew Thomas is a guy that I'm, I've got my eyes set on for the Bucks in day, on day one if, if he's there. I definitely would not complain if, if Andrew Thomas is the pick. It, it's something that we've talked about numerous times. It's a position that has to be addressed and preferably addressed in the first round because you've taken your shots on these second and third round offensive linemen. Some have panned out, some have not. Some are kind of middle of the row. You, you have to spend high draft capital this year to anchor this line. And, you know, a guy like Thomas is, is going to do that, whether, whether they put him on the right side or put him on the left side, whatever the case may be, you know, this, this is the year to do it. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see some of these, some of these people starting to catch up with the thought process that that's where the Bucks draft needs to start. Again, we'll get a clearer picture of what they're going to be doing once free agency rolls around. Because, I mean, free agency, it really kicks off in about a little less than two weeks. You know, I realize that the official day that it starts is going to be March 18th. But, you know, you have that three-day legal tampering window 
And that's when really a lot of the information is going to start pouring out. That's when the picture is going to become a little bit clearer as to what teams are looking to do. And, you know, by then we're going to have a real solid idea as to what the Buccaneers are going to do at the quarterback position, which is going to help us fill in the rest of these holes as far as what the Bucs may or may not do come draft time. So, David, any any parting thoughts on a, on a mock draft Monday? Uh, no, I think we talked long and long on this one. <laughs> well, we, of course, will be back for more tomorrow. If there's anything that you'd like Actually, to Actually, I discuss- lied. You had something. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I, it just popped in my head. But uh, I think it was in Indianapolis. But recently, Jason Light mentioned, you know, talking about like salary cap management and stuff like that, where they really try to play the salary cap game three or four years ahead of time. So, like if you're in 2020, you know, Jason Light and his guys are already thinking about the salary cap for 2022, 2023, 2021, all that stuff. And because the part of the conversation has come up during this lead up to, you know, the scouting combine and everything and taking an offensive lineman in the first round is the Buccaneers already have a gigantic chunk of their salary cap dedicated to the offensive line because of Don Smith's new contract, Ali Marpet's extension, uh, Ryan Jensen's contract. Um, those three guys alone just they they eat up a lot of money and drafting a first round draft pick. Granted, you know it's it's cheaper than like your top free agents and stuff like that. Got it, but it's still you're you're just dedicating more capital, more money, more resources into your offensive line. And some people have kind of questioned like why would you continue to do all that? Well, again, playing this thing two three years down the road, right? Like I don't know if you know off the top of your head. I haven't looked it up here in front of me, but. Donovan Smith's guaranteed money, just like every other contract, his guaranteed money expires at some point in time. Um, so if you if you draft a guy like Andrew Thomas right now, yeah, you're talking. I think you're talking north of 25 percent of your salary cap being being uh, diverted to the offensive line. But in two years' time, because you now have an offensive lineman, a left tackle who's on a rookie deal, maybe that number drops down to like 15 percent. And who knows? These guys know how to make money move. If they need to shift some things, you know, they have a lot of cap space for 2020, but if they need to shift some things. Maybe you maybe you extend Ryan Jensen. You, you add two more years to Ryan Jensen's one year left on his contract. You take that $10 million guaranteed or that $10 million this year that counts against the cap and you spread it a little bit, give them a little bit more guaranteed money as the as the as the contract goes down, but you take a little bit off that cap right now, even you know, a couple of mil, you know, two million dollars off of Ryan Jensen's money this year doesn't feel like much to the casual fan. But when you think about it, if you're talking about signing and Dominic and Sue again, like we talked about at say, you know, 8 million, well now it's, it's more like 6 million once you offset that Ryan John, that Ryan Jensen extension. So anyway, just, just some capology things going on there, but uh, because, because just because I know there have been a few fans who have voiced some displeasure with drafting an offensive lineman in the first round because of how much money is already committed to that position group. Uh, Donovan Smith has $14.5 million going against the cap this year. That is also his dead cap money. Uh, he will be making $16.5 million. Now in 2021, he has a cap hit of $14.25 million. No guaranteed money. None. Yeah. So there you go. So if you draft Andrew Thomas this year, and, you know, who knows what direction they're going to go. Uh, they could start like, a, again, like we talked about already, they could start in left tackle this year. They could start in right tackle. They could come into camp, honestly, and be like, hey, who's going to be the left tackle? You two tell us who's going to be the left tackle. And you tell us by your play. You tell us by your practice. And if Andrew Thomas comes out there and takes that job, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like drumline. You know what I mean? Like if he comes out there and takes that job, then he comes out there and takes that job. And there you go. The guaranteed money is out after this year. So next year, I mean. 
you know, I, I, I hate to wish, you know, uh, career hindrance on, on another human being, but I know that there have been plenty. We've just, we've voiced our displeasure sometimes with Donovan's play. I think last year was, was better than, than a lot of other years that he's had, but, uh, you know, the, the, the body of work kind of speaks for itself. And it's a reason that so many people are speculating that the Buccaneers might go tackle uh, specifically with a left tackle this year. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode. If there's anything that you guys want to ask us about the draft, something you want to talk about from the combine, free agency, anything like that, of course, you know, the number is 813-444-5841. Please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore nation hope you all have an absolutely outstanding start to your week and we thank you so much for joining us right here at locked on box